0: Cultivate Simple, episode 55, Piles
1: of Pork. I'd rather be a farmer, I'd rather work the land, I'd rather see the mountain sides, I'd rather see your head. I'd rather swim the ocean. I'd rather not I'd rather do some Welcome
0: to Cultivate Simple, an honest and unrehearsed discussion about trying to live a more simple life. This is episode fifty-five, and today we are talking about piles and piles and piles of pork. Because that's what we have been doing all week. It feels like.
2: Yes, it certainly has.
0: And tonight we're in the. Uh, it may, it may sound a little different. We be might be off mic here and there, but we'll try to remember. We're, we're in the, uh, uh, the the living room studio tonight, rather than the dining room studio where we normally record uh, because. Our dining room table is still on the back porch with piles and piles and piles of pork sitting on top of it. <laughs> Actually,
2: it just has all the skin.
0: The skin uh, sitting
2: on it with the lard still attached that needs. Uh, I'm just gonna check it in the freezer and then I'll render it out sometime. I don't know whenever I have time.
0: So we've got the mic set up on the coffee table and we're kind of leaning over to talk into them. Which, uh, uh, sure, I'd love some water. Susie's going to get a glass of water. Um, yeah, so we're kind of leaning over to talk into the mics tonight. So if we're, like I said, if we're off mic a little bit, it's because we're we're leaning back. Um, so we're going to be just talking tonight. Uh, last week, obviously, was our podcast about slaughtering the pigs and um, about thinking about what you eat and what goes into the food that you eat, whether that be meat or uh, even vegetables. Um, and tonight we're going to explore a little bit more. We had a lot of questions this week via Facebook and um, people contacting us about uh, what we're doing to process the pigs and people saying that um, that us doing this and sharing our experiences have inspired them to to do it next year or to start raising some of their own food. And so they've been asking us, you know, what, what we're going to do with the different uh, meat—the various cuts of meat and so on—and so we just thought we'd share that a little bit tonight, and um, uh, and yeah, just talk about that. But
2: yeah, give some—I give kind of some uh advice to those that want to do it in the future, because being—I think being first timers, um, we definitely have a good idea of what we'd have liked to know perhaps beforehand. Mm-hmm. That I think that uh, I don't just don't think you can figure it out unless perhaps you've done it before. So, and I think maybe that people that have done it many times before just don't think about all those things. It's kind of like when you when you're used to doing something, things become habitual. So when you're trying to teach someone else, you don't necessarily think about mm-hmm. those things because you don't think about doing them. So you don't really notice that you do. Right. So that's one of those things that. After having gone through the process, I can think of a lot of things that I would do differently. And so thus, we thought recording a podcast about it to maybe uh, help other people going who have decided to do it and who might want to do it to maybe make their process go a little more smoothly and efficiently.
0: Yeah, some tips that we've learned. And we even had, um, I think we mentioned last week that we had Neil uh, come down and help us out, who uh, he has slaughtered and, or butchered rather, uh, he said probably over 50 pigs. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of something that he he loves to do. He loves to make different kind of sausages and and those types of things. So um, he definitely had experience and guided us, and we've been asking him questions throughout the week. But even so, um, there are just certain things about the process that uh, I said tonight, you know, the first time is always the hardest. Um, yeah. And not just... Uh, I think that 's mainly because and we 're very process oriented so we whenever we do anything we we 're always as we 're doing it we 're analyzing it and seeing you know what can we do to speed this up or to cut corners or what can make this not cut corners that 's the wrong phrase but um <laughs> do to things more efficient do things more efficiently to modify what we 're doing in order to make it um faster and and better and so those are some of the things we want to share tonight because we definitely Definitely learned um, many things in this being our our first time, and obviously it's difficult your first time too because uh, you don't have all the proper tools. Um, so we're going to share a little bit of that tonight because as you're going through it, you're thinking, "Oh, geez, I wish I had you know extra bowls," which is one thing we wish we had. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, Even though we have loads of bowls,
0: <laughs> right, right, but you know for dealing with this amount of meat and this size of cuts too. I think you need larger bowls, which I mean, we had one or two, you know, big ones, but, um, yeah, then we went out and bought some, but we still didn't have enough. And also, um, I mentioned, I think last week that, uh, we were making a smoker. Um, and you know, obviously that's kind of a one-time deal, hopefully. Uh, (laughs) um, um, but I, you know, we're going to talk a little bit more about that tonight, too. So, before we get into all that, uh, we didn't really have a what's for dinner because we ate leftover pizza from the yeah. pizza shop.
2: And maybe I think we've talked about that before, how um, when we travel, we like to order pizza and then take cold pizza with us for our drives because then yeah. it makes for good, quick food while you're traveling. And I think people i also feel better knowing that we don't always eat gourmet meals. <laughs> Every now and then we have pizza. Usually I make the pizza, but sometimes we had to run some errands in town. Was that last night? Yeah. Yeah, we had to run in and get Seems a few like a last ago, minute but... supplies. I needed some extra cider for the ham brine and that kind of stuff. So we decided to work until after it got dark and then just go in and order a pizza and get our supplies. And that worked out really well.
0: We heard it from a little local uh, bar in the town that we go to, and yeah, they, they just make a good really pizza. good pizza. Yeah. yeah, it's good stuff. So, uh, yeah, but cold pizza. I mean, it's like, you know, the self contained perfect road mm-hmm. food. Um, so, yep, yeah, we got, we had that last night, and we had some leftovers tonight. And then we've got some for the road uh, because we are going to be leaving this week. And that's kind of a programming note that I wanted to share at the top of the show. Um, we're going to be uh, spending some time with family and, um, you know, with Thanksgiving coming up this week. And then I'm going to be hunting a little bit. And so um, next Sunday we will not have a show. Or we decided rather than...
2: Monday, actually, but we won't record it Sunday.
0: Right. What?
2: You said next Sunday we won't have a show. Oh, next Monday. Monday. That's
0: right. Yeah, we record it on Sunday, typically. Mm-hmm. That's why I said that. I wonder, have you ever wondered, like...
2: What day people listen?
0: No. Oh. I was gonna go in a completely different oh. rabbit hole <laughs> direction. Um there's gotta be levels of exhaustion, right? Yeah. Have you ever wondered what level you're at? I'm wondering that tonight. Oh yeah. What level I'm at. <laughs> I'm pretty so,
2: tired. Last night I was at a whole different level.
0: Yeah, a deeper level. Yeah, you're pretty. When you came out and asked me if I, I wanted to get pizza rather than, or, <laughs> your eyes were all red and blurry, and you didn't you didn't look very good. <laughs> yeah, you look like you're retired. I
2: spent all day yesterday moving all of the electric fences to create the great fence of Chiot's Run <laughs> around the house, and the garage, and the chicken coop, and the. I mean, it's just I put seven electric fences together and then I think four of them are hundred foot fences and three of them how many poultry fences do we have No, because we have four poultry fences no three a hundred foot and then four are um I think 160 foot fences so I put all of those rerouted all of those yesterday because the poultry net fences the electric ones are really great but once they've been up for a month or so you really kind of need to
0: freshen them up a bit
2: freshen them up pull them out you know get the grass and leaves out of them and reset the post to firm them up because they just loosen up a little bit in the wind and the rain and that kind of stuff so i went out and rerouted them all which is it's it's quite a chore actually to rewrite to reroute those things so i probably spent five or six hours yesterday doing that
0: yeah that's we're discussing this today the one of the hardest things that we've noticed about having animals more than uh, you know a couple cats because cats are when you go on vacation cats can pretty much take care of themselves you leave out enough food you leave out enough water you know they'll they'll get by um but when you start getting you know any kind of fowl or uh especially if we just still had the pigs or if you have a cow or you know Mm -hmm. sheep or goats or any kind of animal that needs daily feeding or you know attention or uh attention not in the petting way but in the mm-hmm. you know upkeep way um it gets very difficult to take vacations and take uh time away even for a couple days and um so yeah with us with us leaving for a few days um we we found somebody to come and take to come and look in on the animals, um because our neighbors who also who usually do it are also away and um and then those planes kind of fell through, and we we kind of scrambled around today and we found one of our neighbors has a daughter um that does some farm sitting, and so she's gonna come in look in on the animals for us but um yeah, it's just uh it's it's one of those things that you don't think about when you're going to get animals, but then when you have them, you're just like, oh, um you know, we really wanted to do a little bit of traveling with our camper this summer and just couldn't get to it because there were just so many other mm-hmm. things to do. Um, but yeah, Susie, our plan is that we're going to leave the... the um, We have a duck room on the side of our garage still. And um, <laughs> so we're just going to leave the door open to that and then leave the coop door open. And we've basically walled in uh, with electric fence every area that the the chickens, the ducks, and the guineas go to um, in a normal day. And we haven't seen or had any problems with the fox recently. We think that's because Tara running around and uh, marking her territory and um, just being present. So we're going to, um, uh, tomorrow night, we're going to bait the fences and uh, turn them on, crank them all up, and see if we can get the foxes to shock themselves and then we're gonna have um, somebody come in and check on everybody while we're gone. But yeah, Susie's got the the whole area blocked in, so we're yep. we're completely surrounded. Um, but we're we're looking forward. It, it's funny too because you know this is a, a a time away. This is our first time away in a long time. I don't know
2: since June. Right. spent a couple weeks in Ohio in June too.
0: And Dalen was still here um, in June, so there was somebody that um, could take care of everything and and be around. But it's always funny. I don't know for us. I don't know if this is like this for you, but um, for us, it's vacations aren't great leading up to them because <laughs> there's so much to get done pre vacation. And especially with us slaughtering the pigs last week and butchering them this week and preparing everything, it's just crazy. It's just an immense amount of stuff to get done um, just so you can go and relax. And then the funny thing about this trip is we're going to be uh, celebrating two Thanksgivings. Um, we're actually celebrating Christmas also with Susie's family because um, we're not going to be able to visit them at Christmas time. Um, we're visiting another one of our, or two other of our friends, um, and then I'm going to be doing some hunting. So it's going to be a completely, you know, (laughs) I hesitate to even call it a vacation because we're just going to be running around like crazy the whole time anyway. Um, and then of course, then you get back from your quote unquote vacation and then you have to do everything to catch up with all the stuff that you, you know, didn't do while you were away. So work stuff typically, especially when you're self-employed, because there's nobody else to do the work when you're gone, so you have to do it yourself when you, you know, start working again. So I say all that to say, vacations aren't really vacations for us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's like that for other people too. Yeah. Um. And, you know, holidays are difficult too because the stress of being around family and, uh, <laughs> you know, preparing big meals and those types yeah. of things too, so... But at least we have pork to give out as presents.
2: That's right. <laughs> Pack up a bunch of coolers and take it back and give it to everybody for Christmas. Oh, that's our handmade holiday this year.
0: Yep. Um.
2: Which everybody's pretty excited about, by the way.
0: Yeah, and another thing, Susie did. Is speaking of handmade holidays, I wanted to share this. I don't. Did you talk about the Twelve Days of Christmas box? When I don't remember. On our homemade holiday episode a few episodes ago I don't remember if it did um, or not yeah Susie did this really neat thing and it, it might be something uh it might be a good gift idea if you'd like to do something if especially if you have children um we have nieces and nephews uh in our family and mm-hmm. they don't know much about Maine and so Susie decided to do the 12 days of Christmas um kind of a
2: the 12 days of Maine Christmas yeah the 12
0: days of Maine Christmas that's how you put it mm-hmm. and we asked our neighbor like, what are some things that are unique to Maine? Right, and, and we
2: came up with some, but then thought she's lived in Maine all of her yeah. life, so she'd be a good
0: so BJ gave us a list of
2: I think 50 things, yeah, something 50 like that.
0: <laughs> and her and her mom kind of worked together on mm-hmm. it. Um, and so we have we actually have the 12 days of Maine Christmas for like the next you know four years. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so every day, um, Susie bought 12 gifts for the kids and they're just little things i mean not not huge you know expensive things but things that are unique to um to maine and to our area yeah, and kind of
2: popular in maine right so one is uh, lobster because lobsters are big in maine so we went to we found little gummy lobsters and so one day they're going to open up Gummy Lobsters, and each of these things are wrapped in a little box inside of a big box. So the big box is the 12 Days of main Christmas, and then they open it up and choose the corresponding letter for that day. And then on the outside of the package are clues for them to try to guess what's inside. So that should be fun, too, for them to do. And then what are some of the other ones? Oh, we got them a CD of a Maine singing group schooner fair their christmas cd and then every year i think i'm going to do a different book written by a main author so this year it was uh lost on a mountain in maine i got the um graphic novel version of that there's also you know like the written version of that but that's one of the things you know balsam sachets uh, all those kinds of things a Can that of are, moxie yeah like some moxie which is a main beverage the main, main
0: soft drink that tastes I think like
2: we got uh, tastes like dirt saltwater taffy is one of the things we try to do some sweet stuff for the kids since they're kids and kids are you know like candy maple candies um
0: it's funny how it's saltwater taffy and we've discussed this before but how saltwater taffy is like a vacation-y yeah destination-y kind it's of like fudge yeah fudge Every place sells fudge. I don't understand that. Why is there fudge? That. It's weird. Have a sample of our fudge. All right. Probably tastes like everybody else's. Um, so it's just kind of a neat gift idea if if you live apart yeah,
2: from so your family. Every day they're or... going to open it up and I'll tell them they can uh, call us on FaceTime
3: mm-hmm.
2: while well, they try to figure out and guess what is inside the box. And then we can help them, give them clues if if needed.
0: So that should be a good time. But as we mentioned, uh pork is definitely going to be one of our our gifts this year. And that's kind of what we want to discuss tonight is uh the our our piles and piles the ins of ins and outs of the, butchering the insides your own and outsides of
2: <laughs> butchering your own pork.
0: Butchering your own pork or really any uh kind of any animal, I guess. Um obviously for smaller animals, chickens, and and those types of things. It's easier. And we discussed that uh, as we were going through this week, um, the process of butchering all the meat, is that it's definitely easier with chickens or ducks um, when you slaughter and process them because it's it's kind of a... It's a faster process, obviously. Um, If you're doing a lot of them, it takes a lot of time... um, but in the same way, you know, you can get everything done in kind of one day because there's not a lot of after processing with with right. smaller, fowl. But then you don't
2: get bacon and ham and that right, kind of stuff right. either. Sausage so. and delicious that's, stuff. That's what all the processing brings you has all of that good stuff.
0: Right? Yeah. I guess if you made you know duck breast prosciutto and you right. know those types of things, then you're still spending some processing time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just amazing too the amount of meat that comes out of two pigs or just the amount of not just meat. Cause we also, um, got leaf lard and regular lard and, uh, just stuff. I mean, just, you know, dog food, uh, yeah. all kinds of stuff for the dogs and bones for the dogs and, um, you know, different things. But, it's just amazing the amount of meat that can come out of two pigs. I mean, the pigs weighed a little over 300 pounds. And so, yeah, I mean, some of that is bones and some of it's uh, the entrails. But
2: but the beauty of doing it yourself is you, besides the intestines, which was the only part we didn't use, which we composted, everything else will get used. So you're getting, I mean, I don't know how much the intestines weigh, 30 pounds, do you think? 20, 30 pounds? Probably, yeah means you're getting, you know, 280 pounds of usable stuff. Because even if it goes to the dogs, it's usable. Because particularly here, since we feed raw, that means I'm not having to buy meat for the dogs. And we're probably going to get, I don't know, a month or two months worth of dog food. And then also some chicken food and... um there's going to be a ton of lard, which I use lard in cooking, um, but probably way more than we're going to be able to use in a year. So some of that I will supplement for the chickens, kind of to make suet cakes kind of for them for inside their coop during the winter, um, so they can stay warm, that kind of thing. But yeah, it is kind of amazing that just the sheer amount of stuff. And the dogs have been going to town and just loving the bones. Um Having a grand old time outside, doing what dogs love to do—lay
0: <laughs> around and chew on bones all the yeah, time. Yeah, yep. Yeah, we um, we we also figured up this week because we are going to talk about things to buy. Uh, I'm just adjusting the position of my microphone so I don't have to bend over as far. I actually am now sitting on the floor very comfortably. <laughs> um, the we're going to discuss a few things to buy but uh we figured it up this week because uh Susie's sister was calling around about pork and actually found a guy that raised pork the way that we raised it right mm-hmm. it was very similar uh very similarly raised so um we found a local place that sold grain and Uh, local uh, organic grains and that's what we bought or that's what Susie bought in order to feed our pigs and it was what about six dollars a bag
2: it's six dollars and 50 cents for a 40 pound bag
1: yeah um
2: and we fed them mostly oats um a little bit of wheat mids mixed in there um because the wheat mids make for a more valuable manure. I know that sounds really crazy, but uh, there's a book, and I recommended this back when we talked about pigs. There's a book called Harris on the Pig, and in there they've done studies to decide what kind of foods that you feed your pig and how that affects the manure that they produce. And because one of the reasons we raised pigs was to improve a little plot of land, I fed them some uh, wheat mids. In with their oats, not a ton, just a little bit, but it increases the value or the all the goodness in their manure, which is kind of (laughs) interesting, I think. On a side note, craziness, but even feeding mostly oats,
0: even feeding them local organic grains. Um, and and we supplemented that, you know, with
2: we fermented the grains so we would um soak them at least overnight, um, sometimes two nights, which makes more digestible for the pigs and then it makes them get more from them so it maximizes your food dollars um we'll be talking about fermenting greens for chickens um in a couple podcasts because that's something a lot of people want to hear about but we did the same thing for our pigs just to maximize our feed dollars um but yeah we did that and a bunch of other stuff we fed the pigs lots of excess garden produce i mean i think that they ate tons of They loved beets, garden beets, and pea vines. And when I dug the sweet potatoes, they got all the sweet potato vines. And if I had spinach or lettuce bolt, they would enjoy that. Lots of saplings. And
0: and lots of apples off of our trees.
2: Oh, yeah. We finished them on apples. So every day I would pick a big bag of apples and take it up to them for probably the last two or three weeks that they were here.
0: But even the the point of me saying all that, uh, because uh, there were definitely some supplies to buy. Um, probably the most expensive of which was our grinder. Um, but we wanted to purchase a really good quality grinder that would last us. Because as we've said in other podcasts, we'd rather buy something, you know, of good quality and pay more upfront rather than um, paying that out. You know, rebuying that thing over and over because you buy something cheap. Um, but, even with doing that we're we decided that um after this year, we probably pretty much broke, even if we were, which I don't know that we would go out and buy you know four hundred pounds of pork, but um, yeah, but if we would have
2: we probably uh, saved money, we probably spent about half of what we would have to buy all that pork. Because I looked at a local farm, and I'm trying to remember how much, but it was going to be a good amount to buy a half a hog, um, including the processing and all that kind of stuff. And we definitely spent way less than that. I mean, I think when I added it up, we spent um, only a couple hundred dollars on food for both of the pigs for the entire time that we had them. And we obviously had the cost of the piglets, too. Um they weren't cheap. We got good piglets because you know we wanted good pigs. So, but yeah, I mean, we ended up if we hadn't had to buy so much, buy so many supplies, we would have made out a lot better. But if you can find people that you can borrow stuff from, that would be a lot more cost efficient as well.
0: Plus, you have your time in it. Yeah. Um, because especially with you fermenting the grain and everything, I mean, that took a lot of time that mm-hmm. if you were to buy a pig you wouldn't have to. Right, exactly. Uh, you know, th- th- you're paying for that time. That's another reason mm-hmm. that pork yeah. or and other animals are expensive to buy the meat. is because, you know, somebody has put that time it from, into Yeah, them.
2: from a small local farm, yeah. Yep.
0: So, um, let's start off by talking about some of the things that we did buy and um and where are you going to put links to where you got them or is it pretty Um, much just
2: it's pretty much not i don't know i can put a link in to where i got butcher paper and that kind of stuff there's so many different sources of it Mm -hmm. i kind of looked around and found the company that had the things i wanted to buy because they all kind of carry the same thing yet some things are different So because I ordered mainly from one this one website because they had a great website one and that's something I definitely appreciate when I'm shopping online. But they also had a few other things that I was interested in getting that I'd been looking for. And since they had them I went ahead and ordered from them as opposed to one of the other places that also carries um, butcher paper and that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. because you can find it. Tons of different places online, and you might be able to find it at a restaurant supply store locally if you have a nice one of those. So it's one of those things that is pretty easy to find.
0: And that is, we also went to a local restaurant supply store to get a f- couple things. Plus, we just wanted to find one locally where, you know, if we need something, we can run out and get it. So this is mm-hmm. a good excuse to go do that. Um, so some of the things that we did buy were uh, butcher paper. Um as Susie's mentioned, right. and because
2: we wanted to wrap things in butcher paper to avoid the plastic um, mm-hmm. I hate plastic coming in contact with my food, and that was another reason we wanted to butcher ourselves because it's it can be difficult to find a butcher shop that still wraps in butcher paper
0: and if you do find one, typically it costs extra um, so one thing we found about the butcher paper, which we can mention now, I suppose, is that um we got pre-cut sheets of butcher paper and that worked out really, really well. Right. Which we Uh, got,
2: I think I can't remember the size I got 18 inches by 24, I think. Um, because different butcher paper is, uh, coated with like a, um, it's a soy wax. I believe it's not like a plastic freezer paper is coated with a plastic on the inside. Um, so we got butcher paper, but it keeps things well in the freezer. Um, but depending on the size that you get, you have to be careful because the place that I ordered from, the wider pieces weren't didn't have that plasticky coating on them, or the I guess the not plasticky but the, the wax, wax. Um, yeah. coating on them. So uh, that's one thing to be mindful of when you're looking and. Make sure it has that coating on it, because mm-hmm. otherwise it's just paper.
0: So the next thing we got was a uh, was butcher tape. Is that yeah. what that's called? Butcher that's tape, masking tape. Yeah, it's masking kind of. tape, but yeah. you know for right uh, butcher shop. And then a dispenser, which is, you know, like a weighted dispenser that your school teacher had.
2: Yeah, Um, it was like eight bucks, but well worth it because you're always trying to, you're always holding something while you're trying to dispense the tape. So you might think, oh, I can do without that, but it's worth the eight or ten bucks or whatever it costs. Mm -hmm. And then we got, we got the, I got a roll of butcher paper and a holder and then I got the sheets and we ended up just using the sheets because they were so convenient. So, I don't know what I'm going to do with the big roll of butcher paper, but maybe next time I'll rip them into sheets beforehand yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to we'll, use it up.
0: We'll but, end up using it. The good thing about a lot of this stuff, too, is that it doesn't go bad. Right. So, you know, if you don't use it all this time, you can use it next time or use right. it Right, and I bought a huge food.
2: box of butcher paper, and I think we used, oh, jeez, we didn't even use a fifth of it, so... Yeah, it's. I mean, it ends up costing you, you know, maybe $10 for all the butcher paper that you use to wrap everything up. So not a lot at all.
0: We also bought some hooks, um, and these are like the big meat hooks that they use right. in uh, like a meat locker to hang sides of beef or right. sides of pork. Um, and these
2: are worth every penny, and... We had I think I bought five big ones, and I ordered some small ones, but they didn't have' they didn't arrive by the time we need them, but yeah, definitely have at least four or five big hooks, and probably um five ten smaller hooks as well, because they may come in handy when you cut everything up. When you cut up the sides, you end up with a pork belly, which you want to hang up. You end up with a ham, which you want to hang up. You end up with, you can hang up the hock as well. And you just kind of hang it up and get that stuff out of the way. And it continues to dry a little bit until you, and you just let it hang there because then the air moves around. It keeps it cool. uh, keeps it out of the way. keeps it drying. And then when you want it, you just grab it down. But then you don't need table space in order to lay out all of this stuff, which would take up a huge amount of space.
0: Mm-hmm. And yeah, and if you don't have uh, table space, speaking of which, um, I mean, we, as I mentioned at the top of the show, we ended up using our dining room table, mm-hmm. which we don't care about that much. I mean, it's it's a nice table um, and has served us well, but we've always, you know, had tons of produce, tons of tomatoes sitting on it. Right. And, um, it's never been a it, sacred thing used, that we're no. worried
2: about scratching. You know, it's a table. Right. So it has its life- shown Mm -hmm. in scratches and marks and water rings and you know other stuff on it so it doesn't matter if it gets some knife gouges from butchering a pig on it
0: and we have another table on our and and we did all this on our back porch Mm -hmm. um we have another table on our back porch that's probably about i don't know half or two-thirds as big as our dining room table. And even with those two tables, we still did not have enough table space um, or enough, you know, surface space to work on. We had stuff sitting all over the floor, um, as Susie mentioned, even with the stuff hanging. So lots of table space is a good idea. Um, And speaking of the hooks, going back to that for a second, uh, and I think I mentioned on the podcast last week that... um, to hang this stuff, we're on our back porch and it has exposed, uh, uh, rafters. rafters. And so in order to hang all of this, I bought a piece of, uh, schedule 40, uh, conduit from, you know, just the local home improvement store and three hooks, um, like eye bolts to go through it. And I drilled holes into the conduit. Um, in three different places, and then put the bolts through, put uh nuts on both sides of the conduit, tightened those down, and then hung those uh hung the whole uh piece of conduit from uh hooks that we put into the roof rafters and so it was a super strong uh pole. That we could hang all of this stuff on, and Susie and I hung on it before uh, we butchered the hogs and then we had you know four sides of hog, which we figured were well over you know four hundred pounds hanging on there, and that worked out really well and then when the the hams were cut up and the um, as she mentioned the the pork bellies for the sides of bacon and the um, all of the different pieces, anything that we needed to get up somewhere um, we had a bunch of little hooks that we had from something else and uh, so we hung all of that stuff up from that rack and that just really worked out well and uh, was nice just to get it up and out of the way Um Another thing that we bought, as I mentioned, was a grinder, and that was probably the most expensive single thing. Yeah, um, it was pricey. But getting a, a good grinder, I would say, is well worth it. Um, Neil, who was helping us butcher, um, he has a good grinder, but I don't think it's, uh, I think it was a third of horsepower. Um and the one that we got is one horsepower. I don't know, I think it's one, and then the the next size up was one and a half. but we he was telling us, you know, oh, well, you're gonna have this and that, and you know it's gonna heat up after a while and and that makes it difficult for the the pork to go through it and when you have a more powerful grinder, obviously it won't heat up quite as much, which then makes it better, plus it just doesn't bog down um you can just really feed the stuff into it, feed the pork into it, and it just grinds it right up. Um, and along with the grinder, we got a couple different size plates, which uh, Neil said to use the the largest plate, right. um, which the plate is the, it, was a it half has inch different size holes in it, it. that yeah. the meat gets uh, ground through. Um, and uh, yeah, that was the one that we used, was kind of the biggest one that, that the Was it the biggest one they had, or they had bigger ones, actually?
2: I think that's the biggest one that I could buy for a grinder from the restaurant supply place that I ordered from, because I ordered all the different size plates that they had, Mm -hmm. um, because I wasn't sure what we would be needing. And they're only like eight bucks for a plate, so I figured I'm... And then I ordered an extra blade, too, just in case, because I thought my luck will be halfway through our pork, and we'll need a new blade. And those were only like eight bucks, too, so... I went ahead and got one of those as well.
0: And that just, it just worked out really well. I mean, yeah, the thing and it is definitely just...
2: sped things along because it didn't take us that long. Um, so that's something, and you might be able to ask around. We probably could have borrowed one from uh, the farm that we get milk from. She has a huge, it's hers is old. Um It's like a big tank.
0: Yeah, it looks World War Two.
2: It does. It's pretty awesome. It's very... But, uh, I mean, that might be something, if you can ask around, you can find someone that uh, might have one that you can borrow. But if you want to do it fairly often, then you might want to invest in your own. Because we'll be definitely using it in the future, maybe for deer. And we want to uh, try our hand at Some of our pork was just a rough grind, and then we froze it. And then we're going to try to make stuffed sausages later. But we didn't feel like we could... Tackle that.
0: Yeah, we just didn't have enough time to do that at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, the other something
2: maybe we should talk about a little bit, is to set real expectations and not try to do absolutely everything, which is hard for us to do sometimes. But maybe try, decide that you're not going to make salami and stuffed sausages and all of that stuff your first go around. We decided to do bulk sausage... I suppose I should talk a little more into my microphone. (laughs) Please. It's kind of slipping down. Um, We decided to just do bulk sausages and bacon, um, ham, and those kinds of things this go around. So, didn't want to tackle too much. Um, And that was good, I think. That was a ton of stuff to do. I'm glad we weren't trying to do other stuff because the other things are way more involved than the stuff that we were doing. So,
0: the other thing. And I think one of the final things that we purchased was a, uh, a couple of knives. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get decent uh, decent, cheap knives. Um, and it's it's good to have uh, w- w- what was the knife that we got? Those were skinning knives, right? Yeah
2: We got a beef skinning knife and a hog skinning knife. right. Um, and they were kind of like scimitar-shaped knives which were recommended in one of the books that I read. He said that those kinds of knives work really well with your kind of natural way of working. And so he said they create a lot less stress on your hands and your tendons and that kind of thing when you're going to be working, you know, spending a lot of time working as Mm -hmm. we were. So, and the Victoria Knox brands are very good. Um, Inexpensive, but... You can sharpen them, they keep an edge fairly well, sharpen them a couple times during the process. Learning how to sharpen a knife is also a good skill to have if you want to true. do this. Um, and having a good knife sharpener because it'll make your life a lot easier and make the process go a lot faster. So yeah, a couple of good knives and they don't have to be pricey, you know, look on the internet at the... Victorian ox and other kind of knives. I mean, you can get a decent chef knife for thirty bucks, uh, something like that. The skinning knives. One of them I got was nine something. The other one was like fifteen, and they came in extremely handy. So,
0: um, and I said the knives were the last thing, but actually, the the thing that we bought the most of, yeah, would have been salt. Yeah, uh,
2: you need to lay in a bunch of salt before. Yeah. <laughs> We're talking about salt next year. Buy salt and then buy double the amount of salt you think you're going to need. Yeah,
0: and then go buy some more salt somewhere else. Um, Because it
2: doesn't go bad and you're probably going to run out. So we bought tons of salt. I had 50 pounds of salt before we started, and we still had to go out twice and buy more salt.
0: We're talking next year about buying maybe like a 500-pound a pallet of salt yeah. <laughs> and just having it delivered. the thing is,
2: is for certain things, and I'm glad that we had uh, Neil helping us in this process because he recommended using a very coarse salt, co- mm-hmm. coarser than kosher, almost the kind of salt, a little bit finer than what you would buy in big form big crystal form to put in your salt mill although it's very close to that depending on the kind of salt you're getting for your your salt mill because he said when you're making bacon and other things where you're making rubs and cures you want the salt to melt a lot more slowly into the meat so uh, you don't have to rub fresh salt on it quite as often and it doesn't end up being quite as salty at the end Um, so because you end up using a lot less salt and it just kind of melt in slowly so he recommended this one kind of saw which we went and got some of that and that did turn out really well next year i'm going to try finding it via bulk um because the stuff we bought came in one pound 10.8 ounce little plastic canisters Mm -hmm. and if you've listened to our plastic free life (laughs) (laughs) podcast you can imagine that it was just I don't know how many times, every how many times she walked through with <laughs>
0: like three or four plastic containers in her hand. And, what am I going to do with all these? <laughs> oh, my
2: goodness. I just feel horrible creating so much waste, you know, yeah. when I couldn't. But I need to figure out a place to buy the kind of salt that I need. I had some... I order real salt from the co-op in 25-pound bags. And I've always got one or two of those sitting in the kitchen. um, Which are great for using for the brines and that kind of stuff for the ham. You know, the fine salt like that is perfectly okay for that. You don't want to use the iodized salt like the Morton salt. Get some real good sea salt. I mean, if you take time to raise your own pigs, you want to buy really good salt. Um, So definitely get some really good pig salt. And then it has all kinds of some really good sea salt. And then it has all kinds of good minerals and stuff in it, so your food ends up being a lot more nutrient dense anyways. Lots of magnesium, which many people are deficient in magnesium, so seed salt's really good for that. So Yeah, especially yeah,
0: one of the things that we decided to do, um, which used a lot of salt, was to do a uh a salt cured ham. Yes. So putting a one of the hams in a box surrounding it with salt. And then basically letting it sit. Right. Um, So
2: you debone it, which I did. You don't have to, but you have less risk of it going bad. So I took the bone out and then you rub the inside of it liberally with a couple handfuls of salt. And then you close it back up and kind of sew up the one side where you cut the skin. And then you build a box for it. And you put at least an inch of salt or an inch and a half in the bottom of the box. Then you lay the ham in there. And then you just fill up the rest of the box with salt and we put in a little corner piece because hams kind of you know, they're not square. Right. So we put in a corner piece so you don't have to use quite as much salt in the one corner. Um and then you just pour salt over it until you cover it up with about an inch of salt and then you put a board on top and put a thirty to forty pound wheat on top.
0: Which ironically we put a bag a forty pound bag of uh grain. Green oats on fed it. The pigs. So <laughs> on top of it.
2: You use a ton of salt for that. We probably used 25 or 30 pounds of salt just for that ham. Mm. Um, so it better be good. Yes. But the nice thing is, is all of this salt. So I brined the hams or I did it. And I used a bunch of extra because I'm doing a cider. I'm doing cider braced or cider hams, cider brined hams. But you want to put them in a basic brine for a little bit first. So I had to make a basic brine, which I used. Um, let me think. 16 pounds of salt for the basic brine for the hams. And then I had to use another 16 pounds of salt to make the cider brine. But the good thing is, is I saved the basic brine because sea salt is really good in the garden. You have to dilute it, clearly. You don't want to be putting it on quite that thick. But sea salt doesn't have a tendency to burn plants like a iodized salt or a, a fertilizer salt does because it's a sea salt. So there are a lot of um, I mean, you can buy sea salt just for the garden from places um, like Fedco. So I will save this brine since it's good salt water, has tons of minerals in it. And I will use it for watering the garden next spring. And the same goes for the salt that the ham is being cured in. You can save that salt and you can use it as a mineral salt for your chickens, your other livestock. You can dilute it in your watering um, your garden watering water that kind of stuff yeah. so it doesn't go to waste though all the minerals in that you can use to increase the mineral content in your soil so that's another way to kind of keep everything around and to use what you have and try to create a little less waste and actually maximize and be able to increase the fertility of your property By doing some of these things yourself, like curing your own ham and then being able to use the salt again, instead of buying, you know, buying your ham from somewhere and then buying additional minerals to add to your soil, you're kind of getting a two for one deal, Mm -hmm. uh, which is kind of a really, a really great way to do it. And one of those things that when you can layer in that, mm, mm, I don't know what you want to say, when you can maximize the way you get to use things, it just makes sense because you... It costs you a lot less, and you get a lot more for it.
0: It's almost kind of the idea, like the permaculture idea of yeah. stacking, or yeah, it is. You know, using multiple things for multiple things. Um, and you mentioned the the box we made a a box, and that was one of the, our tips was to build your ham box beforehand, right? Um, which the box that I made was sixteen by twenty by eight. And that ended up being about the perfect size. I went out and actually measured one of our hams before I made the box. And And some people
2: use wine boxes. That's really the traditional mm -hmm. way. We didn't have access to getting a wine box, so we just bought some nice pine lumber and built our own box. Mm -hmm. Um. But yeah, that's if you're going to salt. If you're going to brine all your hams, then you don't need that. But if you have a really good leg then you might as well salt cure it and try it because that's that's delicious
0: yep and also if you're going to build a smoker build it beforehand
2: yes <laughs> and procure big pots stock yeah. pots crocs i am gonna buy a couple crocs for doing ham in the future because i luckily we bought a huge stock pot i forget how big it is 45 50 gallon stock pot something like that
0: no, it's not that big. It's, yeah. That's a 55-gallon barrel. No, it's not that big.
2: Maybe it's, it's 40. I think, I think it's 40.
0: Uh, I don't know. It's huge. It's
2: huge. I can probably sit in it. <laughs> it's that big. It's huge. Um, But yeah, so I have and two of our hams fit in there. That's it. Two of them. Um, So I'm going to go out and buy some Crocs. And it's a stainless steel stockpot. You can't use an aluminum stock pot because um, the salt will kind of etch it and eat away at it. But uh, I'm going to buy some big crocks, the kind of the old-fashioned, the ones that they make in Ohio, the open top pickling crocks, that kind of thing, for doing hams in the future. Because I would have liked to have done a couple different cures uh, or brines for our hams, but it was just easier for me to make a triple batch of brine and throw it in, throw, you know, two hams in it, then have to make two brines for, for three different hams. Um,
0: Although using a, uh, I don't mind doing multiple hams in a single brine when the brine contains apple cider, hard cider and molasses. Yes. Uh, Molasses
2: and (laughs) Succa It smells fantastic. And it includes a few, um, juniper berries and some black pepper. It smelled really fantastic when I was boiling it up. And that's another tip. Mix up all your brines beforehand. Because these are salty, salty liquids. So they're not going to freeze. You can boil them up and have them done the week beforehand. And then you get your hams done and you can just chuck them in there. I was kind of stuck because you have to boil it. You have to let it cool to a temperature, refrigerator temperature, before you can even put your ham in it. So I was stuck because I have... You know, I'm trying to boil up eight gallons of brine, which I don't have an eight-gallon stock pot. I had my hand, and I'm not, I am not—I can't fit my 40-gallon stock pot on my stove. Or I could, but there's no way I'm carrying around a 40-gallon stock pot with a bunch of hot brine in it. So I did individual batches, like two-gallon batches. But I ended up having to do eight different batches of brine. But I only have two stock pots So I'd have to boil it in the stock pot and then pour it, let it cool a little bit, pour it into mason jars to cool the rest of the way, and then I could start my next batch. So it ended up taking me almost an entire day just to make the brine. And if I would have started ahead of time, I could have done, you know, one pot maybe every single day, let it cool, and then dump it in the big pot, that kind of thing. But I was at the point where I was putting it in mason jars because I needed it to cool fast. So I didn't want to fill up the huge stockpot with hot brine and have it take two days to cool until the temperature that I needed. So definitely making your brine ahead of time is a way to save time and maximize your time so you don't have to spend time doing it ahead of time.
0: So what's next? Sorry, I switched away. I'm trying to find the size of that stockpot because I know that that's it's not 40 gallons it's smaller than that we'll see i'll find it um so w- some of the things that we made are uh obviously we've been mentioning the hams of course we're going to make bacons so why don't you talk a little bit about the the bacon uh rubs and spice mixes and uh how many how many different kinds of bacon did you end up making How
3: many different? Um, uh, I made German bacon,
2: so I made six pounds of German bacon, which has coriander seeds and a few other things in it. Um, And then I made a whole pork belly of a French, which is a French like a quick cured bacon, which is essentially salted. You only let it sit for two days. You rinse it off, then you roll it up, let it dry a little bit, and then you smoke it. And then I made two pork bellies of kind of your general bacon, which is salt, some, I put some brown sugar on there, which I made myself with molasses and sugar, um, and some pepper. And then I made one batch of kind of my own recipe with salt, maple syrup, white pepper, a little bit of cinnamon, a little bit of nutmeg, and some bourbon, and uh, some regular bourbon, and then a little bit of bourbon steeped with vanilla beans, and that smells really good. So, but those are definitely things that you could mix up ahead of time. You know, your average pork belly is probably going to weigh 14, 16 pounds, something like that, depending on the size of your size of your pig. So you can figure out if you just want to do regular and mix up all the cures for that. Uh, thinking about all of those things ahead of time, so you're not trying to do it in the middle of the process is, while
0: you're up to your elbows in pork.
2: Yeah, is a, is a better way to do it as well. Oh, excuse me. You know, I kind of had no idea what I was going to end up with as far as size of pork belly and that kind of thing. So, um,
0: is that a yawn from you?
2: Yes, that's a yawn from me. <laughs> I'm a little tired. <laughs>
0: So yeah, having that all mixed up ahead of time uh, and just it gives you more time too to think about oh, and to research the different uh, types of mixes that you want to do like the different types of hams mm-hmm. and then you start to think about, okay, it's going to be this much brine and this much you know, this and this much that okay, how, how big of a pot do I need and just planning those things out ahead of time which we did to a certain extent but again, we were kind of uh, we didn't know what we were going to end up with, so therefore it's difficult to prepare for the unknown, right? Um, and I'm sure we could have asked Neil, you know, in general, how much we were going to get, but, right. um, and you can always mix up more, uh, you know, right? That wouldn't be a problem, but having a lot of those things beforehand, um, would be good. So we did that, we did the pork bellies uh, into bacon. We did um, We did a lot of loins, but basically we just cut those up and yeah. wrapped them in the butcher paper to give away as roasts. Right, I did um, one
2: Canadian bacon, mm-hmm. which it's brining. It will be smoked tomorrow.
0: And you also did the jowls.
2: I did jowl bacon, yes. Those are just salted and sitting um, out there. They'll be rinsed off, and I'll probably smoke those as well. I don't know that they're traditionally smoked, but I like smoked pork, so mm-hmm. I might I might smoke two and keep two, regular. It's the nice thing about doing so many, having so much pork is you don't have to decide if you want one or the other. You can do both and figure it out.
0: And then, of course, as we mentioned with the grinder, we did sausage, and you decided to do uh, several different mixes of sausage right. as well.
2: And typically before whenever I've bought a half a hog, I usually just get everything ground and unseasoned and then I pull out a pound package and mix up the spices that I need for that cuz just that's easier for me than trying to come up with all the mixes beforehand. And it actually is, I think. Um and this time I mixed up a bunch because we wanted to give some away, so I mixed up a sweet italian. I mixed up um a breakfast, like a sage breakfast sausage. I mixed up a chorizo and um apple. An apple, yes, apple sausage. So with some apple grated apple, a little bit of allspice, some nutmeg, um, that kind of thing. But even then I think it's really difficult. And we did keep some ground pork, which is good. And we have some other cuts that will be ground later to turn into more sausage. But even then, it's just, for me, that's a lot of trying to figure out what I want of each one. And right. I really do prefer just having the ground pork and seasoning seasoning it as I need it. I usually would pull it out two days in advance, let it thaw, mix in the spices, put it in the fridge overnight, and then use it the next day. So that's something, of course... You know, you have to plan two days ahead for that, whereas now I have a bunch of sausage in the freezer that I can just pull out and it's, you know, ready to go. But that is a lot of kind of pre-planning that should go into that. Yep. So.
0: We also have the hawks.
2: Yes, which those will be smoked. Which
0: are kind of the the front legs, um, uh, or front section of the leg, Mm -hmm. um, and that's pretty much it, right? I mean, leaf lard and then the, yeah. the back fat, the, the lard. Oh, the ribs, the ribs. The yeah, we packaged
2: yeah, yeah. up. We'll keep some. We'll give some to my parents because my family, traditionally, we do sauerkraut with ribs and usually a, a piece of a roast of some kind. Um, so I'll give some of that to my parents for their New Year's dinner. But ribs always come into play. For that so,
0: and then as I mentioned, leaf lard, um, which we'll be using for pastries and other goodies, yep. and then regular lard for cooking. So, um, all in all, we ended up with uh, I think it was 83 pounds of sausage mm-hmm. or 86 pounds of sausage, something uh, like that. Four hams, each of which weighed
2: 25 to 26 pounds each,
0: um, four. Uh, pork bellies that were turning into bacon, which were... Those were
2: 16, 19 pounds each.
0: And then, um,.
2: And then hawks, and then there are little hawks because off of the back hams, we cut the legs really long. But then I ended up trimming them down so that they would fit in the stock pot so I didn't have to make an extra batch of brine. So I have like these little tiny back leg hawks, um, but I'm just going to smoke those and use those for a treat sometime for the dog. Maybe Christmas day each of the dogs will get, because I have two, two of those. No, I have four of those. One of the legs I cut up and made small hams out of, like the petite um, picnic ham kind of things. Um, so I have a couple of those that will smoke for the the <laughs> Um,
0: so all in all, we ended up with a lot of meat. It is definitely a pile of pork. There's no doubt about that. Yep. Um, are there any other tips that you can think of? Anything else that? Uh, probably the biggest thing is just time. Uh, yeah um, definitely
2: take time off and take two or three days off yeah. um, and see if you can find someone that will come help you do it because on Wednesday, you were gone all day, and I was here working by myself, and it's definitely a process that's a lot easier when you have someone else giving you a hand doing things because you're working, and your hands you get dirty. I mean, if you're I was doing cured bacons um most of that day. So I would rub cure into the bacon and then I would need to do something, but then I would have to come inside, wash off my hands if I needed to get something out of the pantry or whatever, simply because I didn't have someone that I could just ask to go get it for me. So it would definitely be a lot more efficient if you had kind of a helper.
0: Even when we were packaging up sausage, um yeah, it's after even when we were grinding the sausage, you know, just having someone to work the, the plunger uh, to, mm-hmm. you know, push the meat through and then having someone load the grinder. But then afterwards, you're measuring out the meat um, into one pound and two pound uh, quantities and then dumping it onto the butcher paper. And then I would wrap it up in the butcher right. paper, tape it, and move it off. And right, we, we had kind I of an assembly line going for a while.
2: sausage so you can't have sausage all over your hands and then try to wrap up your sausage right after you do that. So it's just, yeah, when you think about the process of how you're going to do stuff, it's definitely easier and much more efficient to have someone there giving you a hand and doing a lot of these chores. Uh, So, yeah, do as much ahead of time as you can.
0: Right. Which should always be a rule. Uh, Do as much ahead of time as you can and then uh, having someone to help you and just dedicating a couple days to it. When we were talking to Neil, he said that... um, you know, cause we were asking him, okay, when does, does this need to happen? when does this need to happen? And he said, well, he said, I just kind of, you know, set it all there. And then as I get to it, I just kind of spend an hour or two a day. And, um, but I definitely think that just dedicating time and just getting it done. Cause that yeah. was one of the things when, b- before we started butchering, he said, well, it's just one of those things you have to just kind of, you know, tuck in and do it and get it over with. Um, and it's the same thing with with all of the butchering. It's just a a matter of you know putting your head down and working and yeah uh, it's a lot. and getting it done because it's a lot, and it can be overwhelming. Yeah, I mean, when you look at is. just the the mountains of meat that are laying around and you're just you're just kind of like, uh, uh yeah maybe maybe we don't need this much, maybe we should just feed this all the dogs." Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, um,
2: and there is kind of a process. So you work with the loins first, and the sausage and the fresh meat that uh, you're gonna the fresh meat first. So the roasts and stuff that you're gonna get, cut, wrap that up, stick it in the freezer so it chills because that is the stuff that's gonna go bad the the fastest, and the stuff that's not gonna be salted and brined and preserved in those ways, which helps keep it. And then other things like the hams and the bellies, you hang up to dry a little bit before you end up working with them so those come later so we you know he said you do the hand the the you do all the loins first and cut those up and he said and then you want to work on your sausage you know and uh grind that and we did that i did the pork bellies the next day because you weren't here we ground the sausage that night we pack it mixed we spiced it and packaged it the next day i kept working i worked on pork bellies again the next day like re-rubbing all the brine and that kind of stuff. And then worked on the hams last. So I started doing the brine for the hams on Thursday and finally finished it Friday morning. Finished my second brine. Yesterday, but...
0: And then tomorrow we're going to smoke.
2: Yeah, we're going to start smoking. And we're only salting our bacons for five days. Most places say five days to two weeks. We want to do ours a little bit less because then they're less salty. The longer you cure them, the, sm- the saltier they get. Um... So, and we're going to cold smoke cars. There are a lot of places that recommend hot smoking. Some places recommend cold smoking. We don't want our bacon cooked. We want to do that in the morning when we want to eat it. So we're going to cold smoke everything and then uh, probably whack it in the freezer. But if you do cure it longer, so if you leave it salted for two weeks, it's saltier, but then it keeps longer. So those are the kind of bacons that you can hang in the pantry because they're pretty salty all the way through. Yeah. So I might save one of my pork bellies or half of a pork belly and throw it in the fridge and let it cure for the full two weeks. And then maybe we can smoke it when we get back lightly or just use it as like a really salty bacon for stews, soups, sauces that kind of stuff just to see the difference
0: and that's that's another benefit of doing this yourself is that you can experiment a Mm -hmm. little bit Um, because one of the
2: yeah because we cut up the roasts so because we cut up our own roasts We were saying, okay, well, we want to give this roast to my sister and her family. So it's her and her husband. And then they have four kids and they eat a lot. So then we'd cut them a really huge roast, one that we think would feed them at least one meal and maybe provide a little bit more meat for a stir fry or something the next day. But then for my parents, there are two of them and they don't eat a ton. So we made them a really small roast. And then their roast, we cut a little bit more of the fat off of. But then we had a roast that we went f- made for someone else. And we know they're into the West A. Price traditional fats kind of a diet. So we left a really nice piece of fat on their roast because we know that they'll really appreciate that um, on there. So that's another one of the nice things is being able to kind of customize everything and do it exactly as you wanted. Because when we got our pork processed, the last time I bought a half a hog, I had most of it crowded in a sausage because I don't like pork roast, but I did get a couple of roasts, two roasts out of it, I think. And they were just huge. We would cook it and we'd invite people over and then there would be this leftover pork that I didn't necessarily want to eat because I don't really like pork. Um, so then it's just one of those things. It'd be a lot easier if it was a tiny roast and then you could just eat it once and that would be fine. So that, oh, <laughs> another yawn. So yeah, I mean that is a great benefit of it is that customization, especially if you're giving some of it away,
0: and experimentation as far as the rubs and those types yeah. of things. I mean you can come up with your own your own recipes and your own mixes, and that kind of makes it more of a personal gift too. If you give uh, somebody some bacon and it's your your own signature rub mm-hmm. or something on it, uh, it's kind of neat. So uh, anything else? Anything else you can think of? Any tips or anything? Um
2: I don't think so.
0: I'm sure that there's something we're forgetting but we can cover that in a, a future episode. Um but we're excited. Uh we're going to I got the smoker done tonight and so we're going to try to do some smoking tomorrow and see how that works out. Um, uh so that's that's the piles of pork. Uh we're It's kind of funny because you get down to the end of it and you're just like, ugh sick of pork yeah <laughs> don't want to eat it mm-hmm. um but i'm sure once we get back from our uh thanksgiving we'll be ready to start pulling some of the stuff out of the freezer yeah. and trying it and, and if you have further questions bacons.
2: feel free to ask we'll try to answer them mm-hmm. um as best we can we definitely learned a lot which is part of the reason we did it so
0: yep it was definitely an experience mm-hmm. that's for sure Um so, just wanted to say thank you to a few different people, uh, not necessarily by name, but just a few people that um, I got a. I received an email this week that said that somebody canceled their subscription, and I thought, geez, after our. You know, little thing about Amazon last week and everything. <laughs> I was like, man, that's kinda harsh. Well here, um, they canceled their five dollar a month subscription and upped it to a ten dollar a month subscription. So, you know, right after I got the email that it was cancelled, I got a new email saying that we got a new subscription. I was yes. like, Oh, that's cool. So so thank you um for that and thanks for the people that made the comments about um about amazon in that situation for now uh, we're kind of in a holding pattern we're trying to see what's going to happen with that um and we'll we'll advise you further uh in the future uh we had one person suggest because uh, we said you know what what are things that we could sell that you would buy um and of course well one person suggested coffee which <laughs> <laughs> of that's of course um and then another person suggested uh, a calendar, like a gardening calendar with planting schedules. And we've thought about that in the past. And the difficulty is that, you know, which zone do you make it for? Um, because different zones yeah. require different times that you plant different things and so on. So um, so we're still kind of looking for ideas uh, on that. And some one person even said to us, um, just take advertisers. I don't care if you guys advertise, you know, you need to make money off this somehow. And we have been approached about that even for the podcast. Um I know a lot of other podcasts do like audible ads and those types of things, which would tie in well since we always do books of the week um with us, but we're just really trying to keep it ad free because you know, we hate being sold to and so we don't want to be selling to everyone else. And so uh so yeah, if you'd like to support the podcast, um, you can do that in the usual way by going to cultivate com, looking in the right hand sidebar and you can either sign up for uh, a monthly donation or you can give us a one-time donation, uh, or, you know, with the Christmas season coming up, request that as one of your Christmas gifts as one of our other listeners did. Um, and we just really appreciate that, um, keeps the, the bills paid and the podcast going, um, and we had we also had a couple suggestions for alternatives to hosting and trust me I know about all of them and have explored all of them and um yeah we're we're kind of we are where we are so and i um, figured
2: out the stock pot thing it's not gallons it's quarts so i think it was 48 quarts okay which is what 15 gallons
0: yeah that sounds yeah better that's it. Yeah. Quartz. Because I was thinking, you know, 55-gallon barrel, you cut, yeah. you know, a fifth of that off, you're at 40 gallons. That's that's huge. But, I mean, it is huge it pot. It is a big pot. Um, it was kind of...
2: I think it's 48 quarts.
0: When BJ was doing her tomatoes, is that what that was? Yes. Um, We said, oh, because she couldn't fit all of them into her pot that she had, and... We said, Oh, we've got a big pot we just we just purchased and so I went up and got that pot and <laughs> <laughs> we think that, you know, her twins could have fit in there. So well that's it for this week. As I said, uh next week we're gonna be taking the week off, uh just to relax and spend some time with family and uh then we'll be back the following week uh with another exciting episode mm-hmm. leading up to the holiday season. So enjoy your week and uh go eat some bacon.
1: I'd rather be a farmer. I'd rather work the land. I'd rather see the mountain sides. I'd rather see your hand. I'd rather swim the ocean. I'd rather not pretend. Rather do some thinking now somehow it all depends if I could fly my hometown I'd rather hold my wife I'd rather never question things That's the story of my life I'd rather not be crying I'd rather just be whole rather brave the cleansing fire, I'd rather feed my soul, if I could fly. I'm crying out to you. I'm ready to be finished here. I'm ready for this season. If I could fly